And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The race is on and Formula One's epic world championship battle between Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton will be decided in a six-race run-in over the next eight weeks. But with just six points separating them, who is the favourite and what will be the key factors that decide the destiny of the title fight that will be fought out in the USA, Mexico, Brazil, Qatar, Saudi Arabia and Abu Dhabi? I'm Ed Stewart and joining me to run the rule over this epic battle are Gary Anderson and Mark Hughes. Well, Mark, how are you doing? Enjoying this brief moment of respite before it all gets going with this frenetic finale? Uh, yeah, a little bit of respite. Uh, quite a lot of um, form filling, as um, I'm sure you know, to to get into America uh, for Austin um, and uh, all the the extra COVID preparations for that. But yeah, it's um, it's an epic fight we've got coming up in eight eight weeks, six races in eight weeks. So yeah, it's going to be um, sort of uh, quick fire, but uh, dramatic, I'm sure. As long as it's not an epic fight with U.S. immigration, which sometimes it, it can be to get into, <laughs> into into the country for us. And Gary, no such dramas for you with uh, with battling to get into the to the USA. But it's it's just great, isn't it? We've got just so much to look forward to in these final races. I'm just hoping it does go down to to that last lap of the last race. Yeah, so do I. I mean, uh, I hope it goes down to a, a good on-track battle to the last lap of the last race because that's that's really what we all want to see. And I can sit in the pleasure of my settee here in the living room and watch it and, and criticise whatever's going on because that's always easier to do from home. But yeah, I mean, I hope it doesn't turn out to be, you know, the last few races like a, a Silverstone episode or a Monza episode. I hope it's a, an on-track battle. And I genuinely hope that Bottas and Perez and maybe a few others actually join in that battle. So it's not just a a two a two horse race you know we'd actually see a bit of uh, skullduggery going on as to who can get the most out of it and who can um who can take most points from other people as well so it'll be it'll be interesting to see because that becomes a lot more team tactics whenever there's more drivers involved in it um 
But yeah, it's, I think it's going to be, as Mark says, six races in eight weeks is going to be a, a bit of a slog. Yeah, very much so, especially with that triple header with the geographically coherent Mexico, Brazil, Qatar trip, which is an interesting one. I'm, I'm looking forward to doing those three. I booked all my travel. Not quite as complicated as it might have been, but uh, still not not the ideal. But let's get into it. What we're going to do is is break the title fight down into its component parts. So we're going to start off looking at the drivers, Mark. So Verstappen's six points ahead. Hamilton's the one with the experience of title fights. Who would you say has done the best job so far of those two? And who would you expect to thrive best in the intensity of this running? Yeah, well, I think most of the... If you look at the season to date, rather than the the, the big pressure races we've got coming up, I'd say most of the time they've each maximised their car, but not always, but most of the time. So take, take aside the contentious issue... Silverstone and Monza collisions, because you could argue that at infinitum. I'd say Hamilton has more often dropped the ball. Not often, but more often. Um, he's also delivered some brilliant performances, such as at Bahrain, where he won with a slower car, or Portugal, where he won through being smart and how he was using the tyres. But even as recently as Istanbul, there was a tentativeness and battle as he was caught between the need to attack and the need not to get involved in skirmishes. You, you saw that with his, um, his dice with Sonoda and even a little bit with, with Perez. I, Verstappen's approach is a bit more binary, and, that, and that's been serving him really well. So I think just on that basis, but not on ultimately who's faster or better, just on their score sheets this season to date, I'd edge it to Verstappen. Um, but yes, Hamilton's been in many... Title showdowns. Well, he's he's not so many showdowns. He's been in title. He's won championships. He's won more championships than anybody else. Um, and sometimes they have involved uh, sort of late season showdowns. Um, he's been probably better in those situations than Michael Schumacher used to be, who could always get a little bit uh, flighty and nervy and then prone to mistakes. Um, but I'd say my, I I don't I don't think the fact that it's Max's first time in a situation is really going to have an effect on him. As I say, he just seems so binary. He just does his job in one way and just seems so airtight. There's no ambiguity in his approach. I don't think, and I, I'd be surprised if um, if if this pressure introduced that because I think he will just go about good about the job in exactly the same way he always has done i think that you're right there i mean max well all the drivers always say you know we'll take it sort of one race at a time and see what happens and um i think max is very good at that he, he actually does as you say just take the next race that's coming up he'll do his best po- job possible um he'll fight for that win and he knows that if he scores more points than lewis he's he's doing a good job for the championship whereas i think lewis as you say has won lots of championships but he's not going to necessarily get the opportunity again to win an eighth, you know. So I think the the pressure is as much on on Lewis to win his eighth championship as for Max to win his first, because Max will have an opportunity probably to win to win one uh, later on in, in his career. But uh, as I say, I think Max does take each race weekend just as an individual event, and if the points mount up to the end of the year, the championships his, then that's that's job done. But I don't think he's driving for the championship. Yeah, I do think Verstappen's been quite impressive in the way he's dealt with it this year. The, the only question mark I have is how he responds to the inevitable ramp up of pressure as, as you get down to the end point. That's not because of any particular doubts about it. It's just we haven't seen him in that exact situation before. But 
he's saying all the right things, doing all the right things. Even I thought Turkey was just a really good weekend because the Red Bull wasn't a winning car that weekend. He didn't get carried away in the race. Or I, I can imagine some drivers in that situation would have felt that Bottas wasn't too far out of reach and maybe overdone it trying to do something uh, about winning. But he knew what the car could do. He did it and he banked that important second place. And I think that's been probably a strength for Verstappen this year, hasn't it? He's he's known when there's chances to win and generally he's managed to win when there, when there have been. But he's also quite good at, at banking those supporting results. And as I always like to say, you do win championships on your bad days. But uh, Mark, if you were to sort of speculate do you see any any cracks in, in Verstappen that, that might open under the extra pressure? I guess the big question is if there is a, uh, if there are cross swords on track, shall we say, whether his uh, I mean he's quite consistent in his approach, which again I think as as you say has served him well. But but do you think there's any potential weakness that could open there, or is it is it just whatever? If there is one, it, it's not something we've seen any sign of yet. Yeah, I don't think it's a weakness as such, but yes, it's still uh, the potential to. Uh, for his approach to land him in trouble if it gets wheel to wheel and you're in the lap of the gods, whether you come out of any incident like that, um, it, it, you know, still still going and, and and with your position not damaged or whether you're in the gravel trap uh, and what, what happens to your rival. So it's, yeah, that, that's that's where it might go wrong because I, I don't think he will... Um, it will compromise in any 50-50 situation. And that, that's got the potential for trouble. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't see it as a – if it happens like that, I don't, I, I don't think it would be a pressure error. I think it will just be a, a situation in where Max has, uh, again, refused to back out of um, the 50-50. Gary, it'd be interesting to get your insight on drivers and how they react to the kind of pressure moments. You've worked with many drivers over the years, some world champions, some very big names. I tend to see it that the best tend to thrive in those situations. It's not that they do better when under pressure. It's just that they can still deliver at their best when under pressure, whereas others can kind of wilt or get too grabby. How do you see it in terms of how drivers respond to that thing? Is there a big difference between the great ones and the merely good? Yeah, there is. And I think, you know, you can relate it back to, to other sports, a bit like tennis or golf, where it's an individual um, player playing an individual game. You know, when you, when you see them <coughs> sort of tighten up at the 18th hole with a two-point lead or whatever, or on tennis, you know, the, the, just that last serve for the match, you can see them tighten up. And, and for a driver, I think it's the same thing. I think probably, you know, when you get to the, the, the beginning of a race as such, it's not too bad because the race is still to come. It's those last three or four or five laps whenever maybe somebody's, you know, coming at you from behind and you have to just make sure you're doing the right thing all the time and not make a mistake. That's that's the biggest pressure time, I think, for any driver. And there's drivers that can cope with that. You know, they know they're they're driving in their in their zone, I suppose you might call it. The worst thing to do is with any of them is slow down because you make mistakes. If you don't if you're not driving in your zone, not getting the, the flow going, then suddenly it becomes a different deal altogether. But um I've seen, you know, I've I've seen young drivers being able to handle it and do it, you know, uh, as well as experienced drivers. I don't think it comes as a natural thing to anybody how you take that pressure on. Well, you take that pressure on and it actually makes you thrive. Um, so, you know, circumstances, situations, whenever you're running in the wet and stuff like that, whenever there's such a big chance you can easily throw it off the road just by hitting a little river of water or a, a damp patch or whatever, you know, those are the things you've got to try to eliminate. And and those are the things that I think, if you look at Max and, and uh, Lewis, 
both of them are quite good at eliminating those things. You know, if you look through the whole season, there's been mistakes. But I think I would also say that Lewis has made more mistakes than uh, Max Verstappen, just in those little areas where there's, you know, there's potential to make a little error. Um, and, um, you know, that, 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 that all mounts up. And obviously we're going into these next three races where USA, Mexico and, and Brazil, which are important tracks because Mexico and Brazil are, are pretty good for Max in the past and Red Bull, obviously. Um, but uh, America has been very good for, for Lewis. So it's about how it unfolds, I think, going into those last few races. If it's still a very small points, points, points advantage for either driver, I think then you know they they will was they will have that pressure on in the last few laps and it will be difficult to withstand it because as a you know as the end of the season come come uh, you know come the last few races and you have to just make them count exactly and when you get to that final end game sometimes it can make drivers do strange things as we saw from the uh, the DTM finale uh, last weekend uh, for example I don't see any evidence that Hamilton or Verstappen will, will uh, get involved in that kind of thing but you never know that's like you mentioned Mark with, with Schumacher kind of going a, a little bit uh, over the top occasionally when, when that pressure's on yeah I think um, it, it's the, the the situation where where fate just puts the two cars relative to each other is going to end up being um, the thing which applies or doesn't apply the pressure. So whether it's decided in a, a pressure situation or not, I think it just isn't so much down to the traits of the drivers as just to where the two cars are going to end up relative to each other in these remaining six races. It's also going to be down to some of the others that are going to get involved in it. I mean, there's a lot of drivers out there that are potentially capable of uh, getting amongst it now and and you know they're they're fighting for a good result before the end of the season not necessarily a championship so it's about the discipline of looking after these these two are obviously the champ, potential championship winners but they've got to make sure they look after themselves and know who their fights with because somebody else could be involved in it very very quickly and uh, that puts a whole new dimension to your the pressure and the discipline and the the understanding as i say of who you're fighting with really yeah, especially when those third parties always know that the championship contenders have a championship to look at and they will try and take advantage of that. It's a good point about the, the roles that the cars will play. That will probably be the, the most significant factor in terms of the the pace uh, race to race and, and who can do what. So, Gary, Mercedes W12, that's been the quickest car over the last three events. The Red Bull RB16B has won more races. On average, in dry conditions, Mercedes is actually now, by a tiny margin, the, the quicker car on average, but it's so close. So which would you say is the stronger car on balance? Since Silverstone, I think you'd have to say the Mercedes has got that little edge. Um, we've always, you know, we've always criticised Red Bull, I think, in the past of of starting the season weekly. Uh, weekly? Weekly? Yeah, starting the season not as good as it should have done. Um, and I, I think this year is no exception. I mean, the... Obviously, there's a controversy of this changes to the floor and uh, the low rate cars, the Mercedes and the Aston Martin, felt that the, the regulation change was helped. The high rate cars like the Red Bull and, and all the rest to be honest. Um, but when, when, when Red Bull had that advantage at the beginning of the year, they didn't actually sort of make hay while the, while the sun shone. They missed out really. Those first four races, by the time they got to coming out of Spain, Lewis was fourteen points ahead of of Max, and that that's probably you know where they where they if they do lose a championship, that's probably where they lost it because they should have been better than that at that point in time because Mercedes were struggling with car performance, um, Red Bull definitely 
in pretty good condition and they didn't take the best out of it. So as it's unfolded now, I mean, I think Austria too, Max was, what, 32 points in the lead? Um, so that was a massive lead, but he lost it very, very quickly. And it just shows you that, you know, the the Silverstone episode and then Hungary, obviously a lesser episode, but still a, an episode, took away big points. So I'd say at the moment, to be honest, the two cars are as close to each other as you could ever imagine them being. Through the season, we saw Red Bull have advantages. We saw Mercedes have advantages. But right now, I think that the two of them are very, very close. And it's going to be down to, you know, you keep putting development parts in the car. You keep changing how the car works that little bit. And you have to find your feet again. These last six races are going to have very little development parts. There isn't much time in six races in eight weeks to do much. So how they arrive in the USA... From there on in, it will be about the team getting the best out of the package every weekend. And I don't think there's any team in the pit lane that actually gets 100% out of their car every weekend, so or any weekend. So it's going to be who gets the best out of it and who gets the best understanding. And by not changing the car development-wise, changing how it sort of operates, you're going to see um, the, the, the team that's got the best preparation back at base, the best simulations, the best ability to sort of adapt different setups to the car to try and maximize its performance with no development parts. So um, it's going to be a very interesting six races. But I think right now, if I was to flick a coin, I'd say both cars were, you know, probably on a perfect day within a tenth of a second of each other. And uh, and that's great for the championship. I mean, that's what, that's what it's all about. But we keep on getting this fighting between the two teams about who's doing what and who's doing things that they shouldn't do and whatever. Um. And the straight line speed thing is, is a big is a big part of it. Mexico's obviously somewhere straight line speed down that long straight is very important. It's the altitude, so it's a whole different deal altogether. But I, I still feel there's uh, quite a lot in the low rake and the high, high rake as far as how the diffuser stalls. I think the Mercedes diffuser probably stalls um, earlier than the Red Bull um, because of the rake. So actually they get a drag reduction because of that down the straights, the Red Bull, because of the higher rear right height, probably stalls less. Um, it should stall less because the gap to the ground is bigger. Um, it's, it stays bigger. It's not as though they run a lot softer rear end in the car and the car gets to exactly the same ride height. So I think the diffuser stall of the Mercedes is greater. Uh, I think the developments they did at Silverstone with the, making the floor work harder at the front with the turning vanes and stuff that they did actually increases the diffuser stall because it means that you know, you're you're extracting more airflow out from underneath the floor early on, so the diffuser should stall earlier. And I think that's been their big uh, straight-line speed advantage um, in the last few races. So maybe Red Bull will, will latch on to something like that, um, but I don't think they can do it that quickly with, you know, with no development really going on and with the fact that the car concepts are, are quite different. So I think Red Bull are going to suffer the straight-line speed problem uh, for the rest of the season, Maybe they can shut it down a little bit by running less less wing on the car, but um, it's it's going to be difficult for them as far as that's concerned. So they've got to have a faster car around the corners. And Mark, bringing you in on this, you did quite a deep dive on on the numbers and the performance characteristics for a written piece on on uh, the race website entitled Mark Hughes for Stappen right to worry about Mercedes trend. If anybody wants to have a look at uh, at that. You touched on a lot of the things that Gary was talking about there in terms of the characteristics, but what were your conclusions in terms of the way this battle is is swinging? I think Istanbul made the the um, 
the decisive um, call on uh, just whether that had swung since that Silverstone upgrade Gary was talking about. And it wasn't really clear up until that point because after Silverstone we had Hungary where Red Bull was in all sorts of bother and the whole field closed up to Red Bull so that they were in real bother there with um, trying to get the car balanced around that um, big rear wing of theirs and they ended up having to surrender downforce there going into the Saturday so that wasn't really you weren't seeing a Red Bull in its representative form then we went to Spa which we didn't get to see that play out fully uh, then Zandvoort which had a which should have been a Red Bull track and was then Monza which should have been a Mercedes track and was and then Sochi again, we didn't really. Max didn't really do a qualif- didn't do a qualifying time. Um, it was wasn't clear cut there. So Istanbul was with right. There's there's no reason why inherently one should be better than the other here, and yet you saw Bottas out qualify and out out perform Verstappen in the race quite comfortably. So that I can see why they're concerned, and, and that's what Max alluded to. He said we've just come from a few tracks where Mercedes. Should have been better, but here, you know, there's no reason for them to be, but there were. So, yeah, I think we've got to step it up a bit. So he's thinking in terms of we need to find more pace. So I think that's the um, that's the big concern at Red Bull. But it, how big it is in these remaining tracks, I, I don't know. There's also the, there's also the um, concern at Mercedes of uh, power unit reliability. So, uh, you know, they, they're probably going to have to take... Uh, another uh, um, another engine penalty that, that won't be as costly as the last one. Um, so, think yeah, it, it, there's a lot of things going into the mix. Uh, yeah, it's sort of in, infinite number of ways it could play out. Yeah, that's the really uh, positive thing, and it, it's probably within the the scope of how well the drivers and teams get the most out of the car they've they've got. It is interesting the points uh, you make about engine changes and. and Obviously, Mercedes had their engine change at, at Turkey with with Hamilton. The the V six was changed, but it was interesting that after the race, Toto Wolff said uh, he he doesn't think that this is going to be a championship decided by four or five points. It's going to be decided by DNFs, which I thought was quite an interesting one because there haven't been a huge amount of DNFs, certainly not reliability based ones. But obviously, things like the engine changes are, are done to prevent the the DNFs from from happening. So that's quite an interesting uh, an interesting little factor. But connected to the cars, Mark, are the circuits. So we should probably apply the car characteristics to, to the tracks. Got six left. Austin, arguably the, the kind of most appealing track for the Mercedes of, of the remaining six, certainly of that, that next, next three. But how do you see each of the six tracks that are to come in terms of who, if anyone, they favour? Uh, yeah, Austin historically is very good for Mercedes, but um, we shouldn't write off Red Bull there because historically Red Bull hasn't had as good a car as this when we arrived at Austin. So um, I, I don't think that's a, a nailed-on Mercedes one, but yeah, they're probably marginally the favourites for that one. Mexico, because of the configuration of the turbo, there's something about that that just doesn't work in high altitude on the Mercedes. And Mercedes has got going into Mexico with um, low expectations. So that should, um, you know... There's all sorts of things can happen. The weather can play tricks, is but just on 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 form, on the form book, you'd say that should be a Red Bull track. Interlagos is historically very good for Red Bull too, although the, you know there's so many different ways because of the track layout at Interlagos, the so many different ways you can get the lap time there. The, again, I would think that's probably going to be very closely matched. 
Uh, Qatar, obviously we haven't been to before. Um, looking at the layout, it looks quite Red Bull friendly to me. It doesn't look as though there's a um, a, a, a long stretch where the, the Mercedes drag advantage can really do some damage. It looks quite Red Bull friendly. Uh, Saudi would say the opposite. The Saudi would say he's got a lot of flat out running and looks like um, very much Mercedes territory. And Abu Dhabi has historically been... Well, last year the the Red Bull was faster there, and that wasn't as good a, a car as as this year's Red Bull. So, I I think that's anybody's race as well. So yeah, it's it's it, you couldn't you couldn't call it. Gary, obviously you've been to races where you'll have an idea of of how your car should compare to your immediate competitors, whether it's a good one, bad one. Is there a way to kind of find strengths in the car that that haven't previously been shown if you if you really work at it, or is it just about accepting? where the weaknesses are, particularly with a car that you've run as much as Red Bull and Mercedes have this year and, and just just have to play to the existing strengths and mitigate the weaknesses? I think you have to, yeah, play to the existing strengths. You have to optimise the car around what the car is good at doing. Um, you know, you, any race meeting is only as competitive as your competitors. You, you have to just beat them. It doesn't matter what happened in the past. It's about that weekend in general. So... You know, you, you never know going there. All you can do is your job in the best way possible. You obviously have got some data from the tracks that you're going to from last year, so you can look at it and sort of try to put yourself in a position where last year these were our problems. How do we address them? Um, you want to make sure you keep the uh, the good points of the car um, and try to tidy up the, the not-so-good points of the car or try to, try to get yourself optimised a little bit where you're not using the, the negative parts of the car so much, um, i.e., you know, slow corners. If you if you have a car that's got a, a bit of inherent understeer in slow corners, you know, yes, try to make the best out of it, try to minimise that as best possible, but make sure you don't suffer in the high-speed corners just because you've put all pursued everything in the low-speed corners to try to make the car have a better front end. So you'll always try to do that, and that comes from, from past experience. And I think, as Mark says, I think these last these last six races, it's it's nip and tuck between any of them. Some of the, some of the, in the past, some of the cars were you know Mercedes was good at one track and Red Bull at another one. But I I don't think you can take that into this year because Red Bull in general have a better car. Um, but Red Bull last year finished the season very competitively, so it's it's it has a lottery going into it. And again, I'll say that there's other cars out there as we've seen that can mix it with them. And those are the ones that are going to count and take points in, on a Sunday afternoon. As far as actual out-and-out performance is concerned, you know, lap time for qualifying. Again, it's um, nobody nobody has the right to be on pole this year, which is good. There is other people out there that can do it. You know, Bottas wants to finish his season uh, at Mercedes strongly. Yes, I'm sure he will help Hamilton if if the occasion arises. But you know, it's one of these sort of situations of. If Bottas is leading the race and Verstappen second and Hamilton third, what what does Bottas do? You know, does he take those points? But Hamilton or Verstappen will still score more than Hamilton. So to back that all up and make it anti race will be interesting to see. But that's how this, that's the big thing that's going to play out in the strategy. It's not going to be so much the individual race. It's going to be about recognizing your opposition and and making sure you're you're competitive against them. And as I said earlier. The, you know, any race meeting is just about beating the other people that are out there. There's no God-given right to be competitive. And, and there's nothing to take in from last year, to be honest. There's also, Mark, a great deal of extra confounding factors, aren't there? There's there's the weather that could play a part. 
certainly in in the first three weekends i think the middle east races we can probably assume are going to be uh dry because uh, there's not a huge amount of uh, rain around there we've also got uncertain tracks obviously qatar and and saudi are tracks they've not run at before plus we've got the, the possibility there will be a few other teams on occasions being able to get get involved with things at the front so it it does create this just fascinating landscape doesn't it there's no there's no series of things you can point to to say yeah this this person this team should win all things being equal it's brilliant isn't it yeah and we've seen quite a few occasions this year where one uh car or the other of the two uh has got a tire advantage and it's it's not you can't say that the Red Bull's got a tire advantage over the Mercedes or the Mercedes over the Red Bull of the season, but there have been particular races where one car has been better on the tires, and that's been the race deciding factor. At um, at uh, Baku, it was the Red Bull. At France, it was the Red Bull. At Spain, it was the Mercedes. And there's also different points at which they they seem to struggle with a a cold track and getting the the temperature in the fronts quickly enough. And other times when the 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 struggle is not abusing the rears, so that they're still in good shape by the end of the lap. So these, it's it's in such a narrow window that it can just switch on or switch off one car or the other. So there's yeah, there's that. Particularly probably Austin, not probably not so much Mexico, but certainly Austin and Brazil. Uh, they, they could be just decided on uh, track temperatures. Yeah, and also when you've got two cars that are so close in terms of their underlying performance, any kind of small swing becomes a big swing, if you see what I mean. Whereas if you've got if you've got a car that's got a half a percent advantage on average, then they can they can underachieve by 0.3 of a percent and they're still comfortably uh, comfortably out front. So that that makes a difference. Uh, and I think that's gonna be again, it's gonna be thrown all into sharp relief, these tiny little differences in those coming races. This podcast is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, which offers betting odds on Formula One, including this weekend's United States Grand Prix. At the time of recording, they have Lewis Hamilton as favourite for the race, but Max Verstappen isn't far behind. New customers to DraftKings Sportsbook can bet just $1 on the United States Grand Prix and win $100 in free bets if any driver finishes a lap. It would take an accident of Spa 1998 proportions for that one not to come off. And as far as we know, David Coulthard isn't going to make a comeback for this race to trigger such an accident. If Sportsbook isn't yet available in your part of the world, you can get in on the action with DraftKings free-to-play pools, where you can have a free shot at total prizes worth $5,000. To do that, you just have to answer some questions about what you think will happen during the United States Grand Prix, and then follow the race to track your results. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, and you can deposit and withdraw your winnings whenever you want to. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promotional code RACE, that's R-A-C-E, all capital letters, bet just $1 on the United States Grand Prix, and win $100 in free bets if any driver finishes a lap. That's promotional code RACE, R-A-C-E, for this no-brainer deal with DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 or older, NJIN or PA only. New customers only. The minimum deposit for the free bet promotion is $5, and that's limited to one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And remember, when the fun stops, stop.
Well, Gary, we've talked about the cars, but how about the teams operationally? Mercedes is the team that has all the recent title-winning experience, but Red Bull's been there and done that. So which do you think has the edge in terms of getting the most from the car, executing the, the races well, getting the strategy right? Yeah, the strategy is the big thing, really, to be honest. As far as executing it's concerned, you know, if you, have, if, you, if you can read the strategy correctly, then I think both teams can execute it pretty well. The change that we've had on the, uh, on the pit stop uh, complexity or the, the, the guns and the fact that the, the guy operating the wheel gun has to press the button now to say the wheel's tight um, has added a little bit of time to it, has added a little bit of confusion to it all. Um, but I think I think most people are you know more or less on top of that now. Um, if the system all works correctly, we saw last week and I think um, Ferrari had a problem with the system working. It, it didn't really register the fact that the guy had pressed the button. But as far as Red Bull and Mercedes are concerned, you know, Red Bull, I think if you're driving into the pits, you'd have more confidence that Red Bull would be the, the quicker team, would just execute it uh, more consistently that little bit quicker, but not not by much. I mean, you're talking tenth or two of a second, so nothing too dramatic. It's more the strategy of the race and reading the race correctly. Um, I think that one thing we would have to say is that I think Red Bull have been more... I believe Red Bull have been more black and white in their strategy. They've they've decided on a strategy. They've committed to it. They've they've, they've done it, whether it's right or wrong. But they've they've gone with it. Whereas there always seems to be a bit of confusion about Mercedes' strategy. It's never quite just as as black and white. And, and you know, especially you know Hamilton, I think is a big part of that uh, strategy reading. I think whenever we hear them on the radio, uh, and we don't obviously hear everything, but when we hear them on the radio. Um, Max is pretty good at informing the team as to what he's feeling in his car. Um, and that's that's really where it ends at. He doesn't really do much more than that. Whereas Lewis seems to always want to um, throw out some false information, I suppose you might call it here and there. I think he, he sees that as part of the job. And that you know that can be that can be a big part of it. But at the end of the day, if the other driver still read just reads what he's got. And obviously then the team can look at performance, lap time, section times. You know, if Max is complaining about his tyres going off very quickly, but he's still going faster than anybody else, then he's doing okay. You know, that's the relative thing. If, it, if Max is saying his tyres are good and he's going slower than everybody else, then obviously there's a problem somewhere. So you need to be able to get the information from the driver, good, solid information, and then read it into the race and, and make your decisions from there. And I think as I always call it, you know, strategy is a is a living thing. It's, it's you can't set it in the in the motorhome before the race starts. You can you can have a couple of guidelines and a couple of ideas, but at the end of the day, again, it's it's a bit like being competitive. You've just got to do a better job than the other teams are doing at that point in time in the race. And um, if you don't do that, then you'll suffer. But I think in my book, Red Bull are slightly better at. At reading a situation and making the decisions than Mercedes are at this point in time. And obviously Mercedes have won seven world championships, so they don't do too badly. But I think Red Bull are a little bit better at reading it and they're a bit better at sort of committing to it and and and, and driving with it than Mercedes are. So there's a lot less complaining from Max about stuff than there is from Lewis. And that can all play part of it because when you're you're complaining to your team your team are being forced in a direction or they're forced to think in a different direction than they would do themselves. So 
because they're going to try and satisfy the strategy required and they're going to try and satisfy the driver as well. And sometimes those two don't go together. So again, very, very close between the two. And I wouldn't say I could call it, but I would give Red Bull that little bit of a little bit of a head start. Yeah, I was going to just add to what Gary was saying about the the part that Hamilton plays in the in, in the strategy calls. And I think that's a, a very good point. And um I think it's partly Lewis has in the past done some extraordinary things that uh the strategists going into the race didn't think would be possible, which did turn out to be possible. I'm thinking of when he got from uh, wet straight on to slicks that time at Monaco and missing out the intermediate and so saving on a pit stop. And also uh, he was going to do uh, Silverstone on a uh, on a very aggressive um, one-stop versus Bottas's two. And... Or one, two versus one. I can't remember which way round it was, but anyway, he 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 was about to pull something off that they didn't think going in was going to be possible, and he he was making it look as though it was. And then the, the safety car came out, so we didn't get to see it play out. But he's he's done several things like that where he has not overruled, but just had different ideas about the best way to do it, and it's usually to do with his confidence and how he can make the tires last, and sometimes that just throws a curveball in it just makes it unnecessarily complex but sometimes it's um it, it's enabled them to to win the race so it is yeah it, it's it's not a it's not a straightforward thing and it's 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 a like gary says it's a living it's a living organism and it's it's it's, it's changing all the time according to circumstance um and you just how how a team reacts is very much the the, the driver and the, the relationship the driver and the team um feeds feeds into the the dynamics of that every time how about the fundamental facts of which team is perhaps better at just getting the most out of their package on a, on a given weekend do we actually see any any differences between the two of them in terms of their their simulations how they work through the weekend extracting that maximum would you favor one over the other in terms of that Gary or are they both pretty strong I think they're both pretty strong I mean we used to see it a little bit more I think um where we would see uh, when the Ferrari were competitive 2018-19, you know, you'd see Mercedes would arrive at the track and bash, the, you know, they did a good lap time. Ferrari on the Friday would be, you know, in the 10th or 12th type thing. But once they had Friday night uh, back at the factory and doing some simulation by Saturday, they were they were very competitive again. Um, and that seemed to be, you know, back at base, that seemed to be lack of preparation going to the event and being able to recover during the event, which is... You know, usually have quite a difficult thing to do, to be honest. But I think between Red Bull and Mercedes, we're seeing them arrive at a race meeting now. Um, 95% of their performances are there. You know, they you just have to twiddle the knobs that little bit. So unless there's a, a big thing, that the track change in Turkey, whereas the grip level was very high, to begin, you know, much, much higher than last year. Um, unless a big change like that in the, in the track surface or the, the weather conditions or whatever, um, then I think you, the, both teams arrive in a very, very close level of competition. The big thing is, you know, reading reading when somebody has is running more fuel or less fuel or uh, engine modes better or worse because that can make, you know, there's a second difference there easily. And so we're talking about battling during the practice session. We're talking about battling sort of for a tenth of a second whenever we really have no idea. And the teams have very little idea as to each other's fuel load or, or uh, engine mapping performance. So 
It's very, very difficult until chips are down, come qualifying, as to really know where anybody is. Usually you get a sort of indication, but um, I think both teams are very good at arriving at the track in a very good level of performance, and then it's just about trimming the, the little odds and sods. So if, you, if you're arriving on Friday and you're well behind, you're probably going to stay behind, to be honest. Maybe not by as much, but you're still going to stay behind. Mark, do you feel there's any advantage to Mercedes by the fact that they're the, the winning team of the moment and that Red Bull, having had those years of, of defeat, might be a little bit either rusty or a bit too desperate? Or do you, do you not see any signs of that kind of thing making a difference? No, I don't think so. I think Red Bull are very um, focused and very um, quite simple, really, in how they uh, approach the task and they just go about, I think, take take the lead from, from Max and that. It, it's, it's quite a a binary approach really they just go about maximizing the car i would say that the the red bull looks looks easier to get tripped up by a situation like turkey where the the, the grip was um different to expected and we saw something similar in in hungary when the uh the temperature skyrocketed we had something like 60 degrees on tr- on track temperature so it looks as though maybe they it doesn't have such a, a wide window and that can occasionally trip them up when something unexpected happens. But I don't think it, you don't think there's anything in the approach of the team that's, uh, that looks suspect. And of course, when we're talking about the teams, we also have to have a look at the number two drivers, Mark. We talked before about the potential of Valtteri Bottas and Sergio Perez to be the swing votes, if you like, in this title battle. Which of those two do you think is best equipped to do the job for their teammate and team? in the running based on recent form? <laughs> kind of depends what that job description turns out to be in the, in, in the moment. Because if it's if it's to be fast enough to be in play as a strategic place blocker, sort of sort of be within the pit stop window of the opposition, limiting their options, then it's Bottas. Um, because Perez can only occasionally qualify well enough to do that role. He's usually, you know, behind a, a, a McLaren or a, a Ferrari or an Alfa Tauri, and by the time he, he gets past that, he's he's too far behind to, to, to play that role. That's been his problem this year. But if it's to be a, a physical wheel-to-wheel barrier, then you'd say Perez, because as we saw against Hamilton in Istanbul, he's very feisty in battle and very hard and doesn't give up an, an inch. Um, Bottas can be hard and physical if he's in a belligerent mood, but... You also saw Verstappen just sail past him without any resistance at Sochi. So it's, yeah, it depends on the situation, really. And I think we're going to get both of those situations coming into play over the six races. Yeah, I think I think one of the things is um, we haven't really seen Perez as competitive as we think he should be or expect him to be, to be honest, in the Red Bull. So maybe he's got something to come. And obviously Mexico is one of the races, so there'll be a lot of home support there for him. Um, but I think we've still got to see him, as far as pure speed's concerned, be able to qualify better, more consistently. So he could come into the mix. But I do agree with you, you know, the, the, the Bottas situation with Hamilton, I'm sure he will help Hamilton. Hamilton. But I think he wants to, to move on from Mercedes saying, look, you know, I wasn't all that bad. Um, you know, a couple more wins and that would, would do no harm. It's going to be how it plays out, as I say, with who's running where. But um, I think if it was if it was the other way around with Perez and, and Verstappen, um, Perez would knows that he's got no chance anywhere. He's got his drive for next year, so he would definitely black and white help and fight harder. I think for Verstappen than Bottas would probably fight for Hamilton. 
So uh, another another interesting dynamic. But you know, there's others there. There's there's Carlos Saints, there's Charles Leclerc, there's Lando Norris, there's Pierre Gasly. You know, they're all guys that can be in there um, having a go nowadays. So strategy could play out. Those guys become a very important task, a very important part of the task of winning the world championship. It's also quite interesting that both Bottas and Perez are, are having probably what could potentially be their strongest runs of form at the end of the season. Bottas has been pretty strong since Monza, since all of his future was sorted out and settled, and he knows what he's doing. That does seem to have got him a little bit more back in the in in the zone, as it were. Perez felt that he has had a bit of a turnaround in in recent races. Turkey probably should have qualified a little bit stronger, and in fact, he looked destined to. But he, he reckons he's a bit more on on top of the car now. I don't think we're going to see him do anything extraordinary in qualifying because he's Sergio Perez, and that's never been his strength. But it'd be interesting to see how that how that works, and of course. Their job isn't just to help the the teammates win the drivers. There's a constructors championship as well, which is the the interesting one. And you've got to say, Mark, that right now Perez is losing Red Bull the constructors championship, isn't he? That's just a simple question of of, of mathematics, isn't it? Yeah, um, and I think um, Red Bull are probably even even though they get the the money from the constructors position, I think Red Bull are clearly focusing on on Max. And if the constructors doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. It's not figuring in their calculations, I don't think. Yeah, I think they, they just got to play play the races as well as they can for, for Verstappen and, and then see how it all plays out. But yeah, I can certainly see a scenario where where Bottas has to have a few uh, team orders to, uh, to, to help out. That would be an appropriate way, wouldn't it? Valtteri Bottas has to give up victory in the last race in Abu Dhabi to, to give Hamilton the, <laughs> the world championship. I'm sure he'd get a very pleasant bonus if he uh, if he did that. And we should note that Bottas has said he is in principle happy to cede victories to Hamilton. He said he'd have done it in uh, in Sochi if it was uh, if it was appropriate. Obviously, it wasn't something that uh, that that uh, arose uh, in in Russia, but he's he's on record saying he he will do it. So yeah. Again, they'll both those two drivers as well will be keen to to prove something. I think, as Gary said, slightly different things they're they're proving, but they are the 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 possible kingmakers, but with different weaknesses, which is what you have with drivers in in that class. You have the few superstars, and then you have the very very good who just have these areas where they're a bit weaker. But to finish off, I'm going to have to ask everyone to to put their metaphorical money uh, down. Gary, you first. If you had to to bet on who was going to win this this world championship, drivers and constructors, if I absolutely compelled you to, where would you go? Um, I'd go with Verstappen for the drivers' championship, and I'd go with Mercedes for the uh, for the constructors, just because that's that's the trend, that's the way it's going. Um, but it, it, no other no other reason than the fact that Max deserves to win a world championship, I believe, and Lewis has won seven already. So at the end of the day. Max has added a lot of spirit to Formula One. A lot of competition is brought into Formula One. I mean, if he wasn't there, this year would have been pretty drab. So at the end of the day, you know, I think he deserves to 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 get the credibility of winning a world championship for his efforts this year. How about you, Mark? I know how much you love making predictions. <laughs> um, I can't argue with Gary on the on the constructors. That's that's got Mercedes's name on it, I think. Um, but I would have I would have gone for Max, but. Gary's already gone for Max, so I'd, I'd be quite happy arguing the case for Hamilton as well. You know, if it was a debate in society, I'd, I wouldn't really worry about which which uh, which man had been allocated for that. Um, so yeah, because Gary said Max, I'll say Lewis, but um, I would have gone for Max if uh, Gary hadn't spoken first. 
<laughs> the one, the one thing I will say for sure, and back in markup here, is there will be a world champion. <laughs> that that's the uh, that that's the sensible bet because that'll definitely you know, it won't pay out much, but it'll pay out something, and that's a, that's the way to be right. Yeah, I mean, I'm in much the same position. I think you can make a case for for either. It's it's funny because you kind of look at the way the momentum's gone. You think, well, maybe it's maybe with the car performance, it's edging Hamilton's way. But then you think, but the last three races. Hamilton hasn't scored as many points as he ideally should have as well. So actually, is Verstappen doing better? It it feels a bit like it's going to go to Verstappen with the constructors to Mercedes, but I think it's 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 going to come down to all these countless little little turning points over these next six races. It's so 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 marginal, which is why I'm just hoping that it just goes down right to the to the very end. I know, contrary to to what social media may think, generally those of us covering Formula One. We don't really mind who wins. We just hope it's really interesting and it, and it is a worthy winner at the end. And, and both of these drivers are going to, would be worthy world champions by definition, wouldn't they? Because they've, they've put on an amazing, fantastic show this year. And I think it's the fight that's the that's the real thing to celebrate rather than the uh, the final outcome. So uh, everyone's a winner in, in, in my book, but there's certainly going to be some uh, amazing twists and turns. Well, thanks very much to Gary Anderson and Mark Hughes, for your insight, head to therace.com. Don't forget the hyphen. There's loads to read there from Gary, Mark, and the whole team. Check out our sister podcasts, including the Race IndyCar podcast and Bring Back V10s. And, of course, have a look at our YouTube channel. We're going to be working our way towards the US now. Hopefully, they'll let me and Mark in. And we'll be back soon with everything you need to know from the United States Grand Prix. <laughs>